It's Betty from up the street. I'm phoning all the neighbors because Spotty is loose. If you see him, call me. Oh, don't wear musk cologne. Leopards have a thing about that. Welcome to 200 a Day, the podcast where we talk about the 70s television detective show, The Rockford Files. I'm Nathan Paletta. And I'm Epidiah Rabbitshaw. And we are coming to you today with a, dare I say, explosive episode. <laughs> Season 4, Episode 3, The Battle of Canoga Park. Mm-hmm. Indeed. This was a committee-selected episode, I believe. <laughs> this was a bit of a committee selection. I think I threw a couple options out for you and you and 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 the uh the committee considered and came back with this as the top the top ranked choice uh, i'll tell you, i'll tell you uh, why i chose this out of those options mm. if, if, uh which is i went to see my in-laws on friday and i didn't know when i was coming back on saturday <laughs> so i thought this one will probably be the easiest to do when i get back Yep, that seems fair. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty breezy. Yeah. I think my my pitch for it was I remember this one being pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you remember correctly. It was pretty fun. Yeah. One quick aside, as you're listening to this episode, it is likely though I'm not 100% sure that <laughs> my Kickstarter for a new game will also be running. I could not have made that game without watching so much Rockford Files. Yes. <laughs> uh, it is called The Big Store. It is a con game tabletop RPG where you play the cons running a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you are the the gyms and the angels. And sometimes a roped in Rocky. And sometimes the roped in Rockies running a game on, uh, some, you know, and the Richie Brocklemans, etc. Yeah. Running a game on some Mark who has a bunch of money that they don't need and also probably is a bad person and needs comeuppance. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, a role-playing game where you play the cons, you build your own con game, but it's very, it's structured by the way that we see these cons unfold in, in episodes like Never Send a Boy King to Do a Man's Job or uh, There's One in Every Port. So yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes. There will be a link on my website at ndpdesign.com. If uh, you are listening to this after that Kickstarter is over, it will be available for you know the general public once it comes out in a couple months. But of course... Uh, the support from Kickstarter guides me in how elaborate I can make the production and, you know, keeps keeps me going as a independent um, creator in uh, in this economy. In this economy? <laughs> in this economy? Check it out. Yeah. Epi's played the game and uh, I've enjoyed it. He thinks it's OK. <laughs> My endorsement of this is check it out. No, don't check it out. This isn't for you. <laughs> this is something that you shouldn't look at. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give this up to you. I see. <laughs> This one is, uh, yeah, pretty fun. As we say, I feel like there's something I was going to say and now I lost it. Anyway, this episode coming early in season four, I kept on transposing the numbers and I got, I was like, why can I not find this episode? And I'm looking in season three for episode four, <laughs> but it is in fact season four, episode three. I, I have to say the transposing numbers reminds me, this is a one. I got this in one. I just, I opened that deck of DVDs, mm. pulled something out, and it like was even staring right at the title when I pulled it out. <laughs> nice. That felt good. Mm, it was meant to be. Well, this one is written by Juanita Bartlett. We'll, we'll get to it when we get to it, but there's some fun narrative sleight of hand, at least in the first part of this episode, uh, that, that I really appreciated. Um, and it is directed by Ivan Dixon, who we most recently talked about on our just a couple of guys episode because he directed that he's one of he's actually one of the more prolific 
Rockford directors that we have somehow managed to accidentally avoid. Not that we've <laughs> avoided him, but he's he's done nine episodes of the Rockford Files, and including this one, we have four of them still to talk about. <laughs> that's, that's a little wild. So the proportion's a little off there. He's um. We'll we'll do a little fuller uh, talk about him, I think, in a later episode. But uh, he was on Hogan's Heroes. He was an actor as well as a director. And he was a very active person in in the like Hollywood black community, black mm-hmm. creative community. Um, and was instrumental in improving uh, opportunities for black directors and, and stuff like that. So he's a pretty notable figure in mm-hmm. like Hollywood in addition to being... I think a more than competent director. The episodes he's done include things that we fondly remember. Yeah. Uh, we were just going over the ones that we had done uh, before we started recording. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to, as you recall an old episode, it's hard to recall. You can recall fun moments, you know, or maybe a performance, but it's hard to recall like what it is that brings an episode together. Is it the writing? Is it the direction or whatever? But we were actually recalling specific shots that we enjoyed in some of these. So Mm -hmm. we we can assume he has some hand in that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So Ivan Dixon also has like a pretty strong Garner association. He did some work on Nichols, which is, you know, the getting the band together, (laughs) the creative Mm -hmm. getting the band together prior to Rockford Files. Um, He also did stuff on Brett Maverick. And uh, yeah, seems like an interesting, an interesting fellow. All right. I don't really have anything else to say about this episode. Uh, at least that doesn't, that makes any sense without the context of what it's actually right. about. <laughs> so perhaps we should get right into our pretty exciting preview montage. Some things that I pulled out of this. First of all, the just an amazing exchange between uh, Rocky and, and Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beth is there as well. But it's, he's like, Jimmy never killed nobody. Jimmy's gun did. <laughs> Already, I'm like, yeah, all right, good. Uh, we know the stakes. We know uh, what's going to happen here. Uh, Beth, Rocky, Dennis, Deal, <laughs> come on. Deal, I know. <laughs> yeah. We haven't we haven't seen Deal in yeah. a minute. I think he's the first. The first shot of the preview montage is Tom Atkins and his mustache, and I was like, yeah. Deal, <laughs> Deal. Uh, yeah, L- Lieutenant Deal. If we haven't talked about him in a while, and you've joined us recently, um, Lieutenant Chapman and Lieutenant Deal are the two police lieutenants that hate Jim. Uh, <laughs> so it's uh, it's fun to see, and in slightly different ways. Yeah. So it's nice to have a Deal appearance to break up uh, some of that stuff. Chapman is more of a uh, more of an like oh god I don't wanna, I don't want to use this terminology, but he's more he's he's more of a status drop kind of. Mm-hmm. person right like whenever chapman is angry at rockford you're going to get chapman's going to get his comeuppance mm. whenever deal is angry with him it's a little bit more like uh well yeah of course because he's G- deal's got stuff to deal with yeah no pun intended but like <laughs> uh i don't know there's just something about like you live to see chapman yeah be foiled mm-hmm. whereas with the deal thing it's more of like oh no this guy's gonna be a problem for rockford yeah. The way I think about it is that Chapman's Chapman is sweatier. Like Chapman is yeah. a sweatier antagonist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he he is more personally offended by Jim's existence. Yes. While Deal is more like he's a little more institutional where he's like yeah, little, the kind of thing you do maybe. shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. Um at least that's that's my uh uh 
take away from not having actually seen an episode with either of them in quite a while. But they both also have episodes where they need Jim's help. And I yeah. feel like it works. Like, it makes a little more sense for Deal. And I think it's one of the movies, maybe, where he needs Jim's help. Yeah, I think so. And then when Chapman needs Jim's help, Chapman, like, has to come crawling to him on his knees kind of yes. and it's so it's very rewarding to watch but it's also illustrative of their uh their their different yeah. uh, relationships oh it i i think because we're still talking about the opening montage we yes. haven't talked about maybe the most important bit of the opening montage <laughs> which is the trailer blowing up mm-hmm. and jim jim coming running out of it in just his pj pants and the trailer blowing up behind him look forward to that <laughs> this episode might have the most like might have Jim in the most danger for his life per capita yes. of <laughs> any of the episodes that uh, that we've watched um, that don't involve Anthony Boy, at least. Hmm. That's interesting because there's another possibly correlated metric here, mm-hmm. which is I think this episode has more vans per capita. Mm-hmm. Than, <laughs> so we might we might have a theory here. OK, OK. Well, you can start plotting those out on your graphing calculator while yeah. we... Uh, <laughs> get into this episode uh there's also some exciting car action we so we have that to look forward to and a sassy housekeeper we don't know if she's a housekeeper yet but mm. there's this like she's she's coded housekeeper yeah yeah and she like in the preview montage jim's like i gotta find out what happened to my gun and she's like well i took it of course and it's just like it takes jim aback i can't wait to see that mm-hmm. i want to know what's gonna go on 200 a day is a 100% listener-supported show, thanks to our patrons. In addition to our gratitude and editing access to the 200 Files Files spreadsheet, patrons receive exclusive episode previews and plus expenses. Our bonus Just Chatting podcast about media, work, and life. An episode of that comes out before every episode of 200 a day. On top of that, every episode we say thanks to the gumshoe-level patrons supporting this episode. Brian Burnson has a Facebook page where he drives his Rockford tribute car to shooting locations from the show. Check out facebook.com slash Brian Rockford Files. Join Mitch Hampton to examine all matters aesthetic and what it means to be human at the Journey of an Esthete podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Paul Townend recommends the podcast Fruit Loops, Serial Killers of Color at fruitloopspod.com. Dale Norwood wrote a book. Find Trading Freedom, How Trade with China Defined Early America, Wherever Good Books Are Sold. Published by the University of Chicago Press. Chuck from whatyourreading.com. Shane Liebling. You know his site RollForYear.Party has all of your online dice rolling needs. Jay Adon, who showcases amazing miniature painting skills over at jayadon.com. Andre Apinani, Tom Clancy, Pumpkin Java Beach Pug, Dave P., Dave Otterson, Kip Holly, Dale Church, Colleen Kelly, and David Nixon. And finally, special appreciation for the extraordinary support from our detective-level patrons. Joe Greathead, Michael Zalisco, Eric Antenor, Brian Pereira, Jordan Bockelman, not Brockelman, Bill Anderson, and of course, Richard Haddam. If you're interested in keeping us going for as little as $1 an episode, check out patreon.com slash 200 today to see if becoming a patron is right for you. Well, we start our episode with our titles over some pretty imagery of L.A. at sunset. Yeah. And then we come to a man locking up at Reedy's Ready Serve. It's a gas station. He's shutting down for the night. And then in the darkness, a mysterious figure in a white bucket hat appears. And we Mm -hmm. follow him as he comes up to the little service station room. (laughs) (laughs) opens the door lowers a gun and we see the guy get a look of horror on his face and he tries to push away but he's already sitting down gunshot 
cut to shattering glass as Jim drops a glass in his sink and goes, damn, things are not where Jim likes them. Uh, mm-hmm. Because Rocky talked him into hiring a cleaner, Viola, <laughs> and she's been putting things where Jim can't find them. And uh, Rocky is defending this choice, uh, saying everything's a mess around here and you never have time to clean it up, etc., etc. There's a good gag where Jim pulls out his desk drawer and then pulls out a shirt because he's, he's <laughs> looking for his binoculars. Yes. So he pulls out this shirt and Rocky, anybody who keeps dirty laundry and Jim cuts him off. <laughs> I knew where to find it, didn't I? <laughs> but he wants his binoculars because they're going to a to a ball game. So makes sense. But they're not where he le- where he puts them uh, outside. We meet Viola, uh, who is indeed the woman that we saw in the preview montage. She's getting dropped off uh, and saying to pick her up at five. There ain't much to this place. Dropped off from a van. The first of many. <laughs> uh, so Jim's been trying to find his binoculars, but they're right where she put them, where they ought to be kept. And I like this <laughs> differentiation where Jim Jim wants things where he puts them and she right. puts them where they should go. <laughs> uh, this quickly segues into Rocky asking her how her boy's doing. Um, apparently her son has been getting in some altercations recently. He got beat up at a massage par- parlor recently. <laughs> Through no fault of his own. Through no fault of his own. I like the attitude here where, I don't know, I feel like this is something I've seen in life where it's like older people, you know, catching up, just kind of shooting the breeze. You know, how's Mm -hmm. your kid? How's your whatever? But then it becomes this weird uh, contest of not misery, but like contest of like, oh, it's not it's not that good. He don't feel like, you know, sitting around watching TV. Hmm. That boy never thinks about his health. Well, anyway, I'm glad he's better. Well, he's not that much better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you, you have to understand that I live in misery. <laughs> yes. But I'm positive about it. I also, in this scene, enjoy the bit where she keeps rearranging things on Jim. Yeah, yeah. Like, she's immediately putting things back where she wants them instead of uh, where Jim wants them. Jim and Rocky are leaving, uh, presumably to go to this ball game. There's a little more banter outside, and then a couple black and whites with sirens blaring roll up. (laughs) Cops jump out on full alert, yelling to get his hands up. And Jim just looks at them and goes, what is it about today? (laughs) Cut the deal. I want to hear about last night, Rockford. (laughs) It's a lot of good cuts and jokes in the cut in uh, this episode. Yeah. Jim, of course, is not has nothing to say until his lawyer arrives. But Deal says he has Jim nailed on this one and he's going to push it for all it's worth. Deal leaves. Becker has been standing there. Classic Becker been standing there kind of in the background <laughs> silently while one of his lieutenants yells at Jim. And then we also see the the very specific flavor of angry Becker where he's like, my boss is on me because he knows I'm friends with you. Right, right. <laughs> you make my life miserable. You are making yeah, my life more difficult. Why aren't you just cooperating with this guy who wants to send you up for murder? Right. But I think there's also, as we learn, there's also an undercurrent of like, and also, what did you do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a little bit from the previous scene where uh, when the cops show up, Viola, she's constantly looking at Jim as as if he's a disappointment of some right, sort. Right. 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 And we'll we'll learn we'll meet her Leonard soon. <laughs> and th- yeah. that'll be a great contrast. But uh, it, it's the same sort of thing. Like everyone right now thinks Jim's responsible for mm-hmm. something like there's bad things happening to Jim and that's on Jim. Yeah. Well, and indeed with Becker, he's like, uh, 
what is this good good cop bad cop why are you <laughs> you know why are you being like this am i your friend oh you're taking a long time to answer that you're my friend then where were you last night home doing what looking for my binoculars alone no i organized a search party of course i was alone dennis says that that's a lousy alibi and jim for what and that's when Deal comes back in with Beth as she has yes. arrived to represent her client. Hooray! <laughs> he hasn't been informed of charges because he hasn't been arrested. Mm-hmm. Good good work, Deal, trying to lean on him in advance. Beth has a good, I bet you didn't even read him his rights. <laughs> Deal wants an account of his whereabouts with a reliable witness. And mm-hmm. we start getting him ask, asking Jim questions and Beth going, don't answer that. Don't answer that. She's a good lawyer. (laughs) Yes. We finally get to what is his relationship with Robert Reedy? Mm -hmm. Um, Don't answer that. (laughs) I think Jim says like, who? And that's and Beth is like, say nothing, say nothing. (laughs) Deal pulls out a gun in an evidence bag and it says, is this your gun? Don't answer that. And (laughs) Deal says, well, I don't need him to answer that because, you know, we've traced it to Rockford and his fingerprints are all over it. And this is the gun that was used to murder Robert Reedy last night. I call that probable cause, Miss Davenport. Book him. I will say, though, it's a little vague about this. You know, we traced this firearm to Jim. That could have been done in lots of ways. Yeah. I believe iconically it is an unregistered gun, right? Right. I was thinking about that a little bit, too. We're, we're, we're still first season. No, what? This is fourth season. That's right. Oh, my God. Wait, how long have we been doing the podcast? <laughs> um, no, I thought the same thing. Uh, there's, uh, I don't remember when it's revealed that it's unregistered, but I think it's very early on. There's a couple times where it's like, I can't, you know. Can't let anyone know. Or, or like, if I'm brought in on this beef... Even though I didn't do it, they can get me for having an unregistered firearm. Like, yeah. there's that kind of, like, tension sometimes. Now, it could be uh, all that tension occurs in seasons one through three. Uh-huh. And he has off-screen registered it at some right. point. Or, but, um, yeah. It doesn't matter. It was just as a as a Rockford head. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, wait a second. And I think if there's just maybe one line somewhere where it was like, you're going down for murder and an unregistered firearm, right? Like, that would be a little <laughs> extra sauce, but uh, yeah, there's neither, neither here nor there. Because what's important is we go outside the courthouse where Rocky has posted $5,000 bail for Jim. How did you get the money? Yeah. He took out a second mortgage. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is one time he can say, it ain't Jim's fault. Right. I just love the way Rocky's like, where Jim's like, where'd you get it? He goes, oh, I got it. <laughs> you know, like, don't, don't ask. <laughs> yeah. Um, Beth is saying that uh, in this case, there is probable cause. Like, mm-hmm. by a reading of the actual law, this is, in fact, probable cause. Yeah. <laughs> and that Deal and the judge don't really have discretion here. Like, they're just doing not. She doesn't say they're just doing their job, but like she's making the point that we all know Jim didn't do this, but it is also reasonable that he is being he was arraigned right so yeah it is reasonable that they're pursuing this because this is in fact legally probable cause so jim needs to prove that somehow the gun was stolen is really what what needs to happen here um jim starts saying that well viola had access that gun's been in my cookie jar for a long time um you know maybe her son lenny took it he's always getting into trouble and it's never his fault there's a there's a bit here that kind of like a thread a tiny thread that runs throughout this where um when he brings up the binoculars i believe that uh 
previously. I believe Rocky is like, well, she didn't take him. Why would mm-hmm. you, why would you accuse her of taking him? Yeah. She, he's, he defends Viola, uh, whatever yeah. Jim's like, well, she took my whatever. Jim keeps being like, she's been going through my stuff and moving it around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, everyone's like, how dare you accuse her of stealing? Right. He's not doing that. He's, he <laughs> constantly isn't doing that. He mm-hmm. just wants to know what, what happened to things so that, you know, this, yeah, it keeps happening like this. I think the thread of Rocky jumping to Viola's defense, even in the yes. face of <laughs> possible uh, issues, is 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 certainly there. Um, we have a mention where where uh, Beth thinks there's definitely it's definitely likely that he's going to be indicted unless they can do something. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's no good. So Jim wants to talk to Viola, and he takes Rocky's keys um, at the Viola residence. <laughs> their last name ever jim knocks and lenny answers he looks like <laughs> someone who has uh who gets into trouble and it's definitely not his fault he has yes. a big shiner <laughs> on his forehead and he's holding a beer <laughs> in the early afternoon this is the only appearance of leonard but it's a uh it's good it's memorable it's good it's well well cast oh man you gotta check out uh elliot street is his name the guy who i guess Viola's last name is Winky. Hmm. Uh, plays Leonard Winky. You got to check out his picture on IMDb. It's, yep. It is as Tom Atkins had a son. <laughs> In fact, it looks like Tom Atkins had a son with Dave Foley. I think is really <laughs> yeah. how, I, how I characterize it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, he's very well cast for this. I, You know, it's, it's not, I was going to say I really enjoyed the reveal of Leonard, but it's not a reveal. <laughs> we all had built up a picture in our head of what Leonard was going to be like, and this actor is exactly that. <laughs> yeah. And this is a wrap on, on Elliot. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lenny summons his mom. Viola comes out. She wasn't sure if she was supposed to come this week. Uh, well, with him being hauled off by the cops <laughs> and thrown in jail. But she thinks she has a right to know why they hauled him off like that, as she says. <laughs> Jim basically explains, and she tries to shut the door on him, and he <laughs> shoves his foot in it. I'm in a lot of trouble here, and I need you to, to help me. I need to find out what happened to my gun. And we have the cut from the preview montage, yeah. uh, where she says, I took it, of course. And he says, you did? <laughs> so this is there's a, a nice bit of filmic... Uh, sleight of hand that's happening mm-hmm. here. We're, we've watched the preview montage. We, we're waiting for this conversation to happen. Yes. It's happening now. And we're like, okay, this is the we, I. I'm like, okay, this is the premise of the episode, right? This isn't a big mystery that he has to find his gun. He's going to find out, you know, he's just directly coming out and then other stuff is going to happen. But then we break that immediately where she says, Is that what you come out here thinking? Oh, it ain't the first time. Something gets broke, something turns up missing. Viola must have done it. I never say boo to that. I never say one single word. Folks is going to think what they want to think. But I got no intention of letting you stand there saying that me and Leonard killed some man we never even heard of with a gun we never even seen. That was that was just a line of hers to get under his skin. Yeah. She did not, in fact, take his gun. I just appreciated that as little because I was there. I was like, oh, she did take yes. his gun. I'm just waiting. <laughs> I'm just waiting to see what happens. And then, uh, no, she took that rug out from under me immediately. So I, you, I appreciated you, that. It was fun. You're kind of waiting for her sort of haughty explanation. Yeah. For yeah. what? Like, I, you were just going to hurt yourself with it. Like, or, or something like or that. Or I don't hold with firearms. Yeah, or yeah, something, yeah. You know. I think this happened just before this with Leonard where, like, you should be resting. Okay. Leonard is clearly a ne'er-do-well. Yeah. And Jim 
we know that Jim isn't a ne'er do well, though he 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 really rides that line. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's just fun to watch her fawn over Leonard, right? Right. Who could do no wrong. Who's clearly doing nothing but wrong. Yeah. And then looking down at Jim like he's such a disappointment to his father, and you know, like it, and I'm I'm just eating all this up. Mm-hmm. But it also feeds a little bit into Jim's theory of the case, yeah, which doesn't hold out. But it's you watch him like a like a dog with a bone hold on to it for as long as he can. Though there is a little bit of hint here because there's so it's a, it's a it's a double swerve. I'm swerved, right. and then I'm swerved again <laughs> because. So Viola says she never saw his gun and mm-hmm. Jim's like, come on, I keep it in my, and then she cuts him off before he can say, yes. ask anyone who knows me. I never ate a store-bought cookie in my whole life. <laughs> and then Jim, well, strange you should say that because that's just where I keep my gun in with the store-bought cookies. And that's when she finally slams the door on him. But then I am like, aha. So she may not have taken the gun but she right. knows something that she's not willing to tell Jim. Yes. So maybe she did have something to do with it after all. So, and I think there's enough there for Jim to keep his, his, his little raccoon paws on the... Yes. Yeah, exactly. On what he wants to be true, which is Viola took my gun and her, her layabout son took it and used it to kill someone. He, it's yes. his fault, right? That's, that's yeah. where Jim is trying to get to. Um, also... I probably credit to Juanita Bartlett here. Uh, usually mm-hmm. is, but like, what an amazing way to describe a character to have have them indignantly exclaim, uh, "Ask anyone who knows me, I've never eaten a store bought cookie in my life." Like, you <laughs> you know all you need to know about Viola from that statement. Yeah, like this weird sense of pride mm-hmm. in like and and like a very very particular morality like yes. it's just a, yeah <laughs> it's a good this is a low-key great script yeah yeah i would agree i think the events of this episode are not i mean it's kind of weird i mean we'll get to it when we get to it there's a lot of memorable stuff without yeah. it really having like a real mystery or a real no it, question to it it's more of a romp but a lot of these little things like that that double you know that double swerve in the story just from this one scene these lines that just tell you who this character is right off the bat even the casting of this guy leonard you know like yeah they're just chef kiss you know firing on all cylinders kind of stuff we do this all the time but it's worth repeating like characters in the rockford files are characters mm-hmm. almost to a one, right? Like they, yeah. there's something about every single one of them. But that said, sometimes you get a line of goons and you're like, wait, are these, are these the feds or the goons? Mm-hmm. And in this particular episode, that's not the case. Like mm-hmm. we actually go through quite a few of the, um, uh, our antagonists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our antagonists. And every single one of them, I'm like, is a character is a character. And I'm like, what is it? What's got them all together? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. The, the reveal is fun too. Well, we cut from there to Becker answering the phone. Billings is giving him the stink eye for some yeah. reason. Yeah. The Billings Becker thing in this scene is great and i don't know what it is we get a nice rare billings line i got it billings okay sarge nothing but e is in this joint (laughs) (laughs) jim's calling becker jim wants to know if there's an ongoing investigation into this murder or if he's it becker says a deal is trying to prove 
the, that there was a relationship between um, Jim and the Reedy, the guy who was murdered. They got the gun. Um, Jim doesn't have an alibi, but that's still not enough. You know, what's the motive, right? So he's trying to prove yeah. that there's some relationship. Uh, and Dennis says, if he doesn't have one, he's going to be fine. And Jim's like, I'm not going to be fine. <laughs> We've, I'm out $5,000 on bail. I might get indicted. I have plenty to worry about. And so Dennis, Dennis does give him some of the details. It was an execution-style killing. Very personal. Robbery wasn't a motive. Nothing was stolen. And he tells Jim what, what station it was, what the location of the crime. And then he says, stay out of it. And Jim says, first I have to get out of it. <laughs> Which is a good, good Jim line. We now get to see Jim doing his best to connect Lenny to these guys. Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> that's his, again, his operating theory, right? A lot of my notes are, what? why does Jim still hold on to this? <laughs> uh, but it does drive him enough through the case that he then gets, like, towards a truth. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I just really enjoy that. I like the idea that, like, just having a theory and, and working towards that is better than, like, being like, oh, this theory doesn't work. We got to come up with a new one. Mm -hmm. He's still learning as he's going through. And yeah. Uh, yeah, he's keeping enough of an open mind to kind of follow things where they go. But mm -hmm. he's still trying to make what he thinks happened true. Yeah. <laughs> so Jim goes to Reedy's. It is, you know, still still open in operation. Uh, there's a couple mechanics there. And one of them is cleaning a car. And Jim, again, like everyone's a character. He's like, you know, what do you want from me, pal? Kind of stuff until Jim <laughs> drops that he 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 does his whole like oh yep this is a great location building up to the reveal that he that he's thinking about buying the place he was talking to Mister Reedy yeah. about buying it um, and now he's finally looking it over and so that's when the guy's attitude changes he's like oh you're gonna buy the place oh can I kind of show you around like you know, <laughs> oh someone's gonna keep me employed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so does, again small thing but but fun there's a little bit where so the the mechanic is is like cleaning this um pickup and jim glances in and he's like he sees there's a gun rack in the pickup he's like oh you go hunting and the mechanic says oh this isn't my car this is mr reedy's car mm -hmm. the mechanic shows him around a little bit and in the office jim picks up a framed photo of a army unit reedy was in the army in, in korea in the fifth army rct regimental combat team uh and the mechanic's like oh that's before my time that's korea jim clearly has some association with this he's like yeah. oh okay and he's like all right time to leave <laughs> as he's leaving he says well i was supposed to meet lenny here but he's always running late and the guy's like lenny it's like leonard whatever his last name is he's the friend that put me in touch with with reedy well, you don't know him? And he's like, no, I've never heard of the guy. And he says that Reedy didn't really have a lot of friends, except for Mr. Chalco, who runs the motorcycle shop up the street. Yeah. They were always going back and forth. So Jim, you know, gives him a, you know, waves him off with a with a couple, uh, you know, just a couple lines about not going to wait around all day. See, see about the purchase, blah, blah, blah. As he's leaving, we see him and zoom in on the bumper sticker on the back of Reedy's pickup, mm -hmm. which is one of those big yellow ones with black text that says, they'll take away my gun when they pry it from my cold, dead fingers. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Something is going on. It's fun watching Jim fish for Leonard. Yes. I don't know. There's just something throughout this episode that he keeps like just throwing the name out and just seeing mm -hmm. like what's going to happen. Who's going to say something? Who's going to react? And yeah. um, keeps coming up. Uh, what's I, I feel like there's a fishing term that I should be using. 
keeps coming up with with a boot. Yeah, sure. That's that works. <laughs> I don't know if that's a visual reference for for the kids, but I feel like that was yeah. in cartoons. I mean, I could see Heathcliff yes. doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> An old boot. Well, Jim pursues this uh, tip that he got. He goes to talk to Mr. Chalco. Um, mm-hmm. We have a nice establishing shot where there's these two real <laughs> burnout dudes checking out a motorcycle. They're kind of like hippie-coded, kind of. Yeah, could be biker gang. It's hard to tell. Could be. They seem a little too goofy, but who knows? Yeah. Um, Chalco follows Jim into the, the showroom, um, but he like keeps an eye on them, and he has this whole <laughs> thing where he's like, you got to keep an eye on these guys. They're not going to buy anything, but if you don't keep an eye on them, they're going to strip that thing down in five minutes. He is a slightly older guy who has no time for all these young punks. So this is um, a characterization for Chalco here. And it's, it's vital to the, the case, uh, which is great and all that. But I would point out that, like, as they're walking away from them, the kid that's on the bike, I say kid, mm-hmm. the young adult, the whatever, the guy that's on the bike does steal the keys. He does, yes. It, it's like, yeah, you do got to keep your eyes on them. <laughs> I did think that the uh, climax of the scene was going to be those guys just riding away on the motorcycle. Yeah. But I guess they just take it for later. Yeah. It is unresolved. Well, Chocolate ends up having bigger concerns, as we, uh, yes. as we learn. <laughs> so this guy is played by an actor named Ted Gearing, who is really like, I've definitely seen him in the Rockford Files before. And we have. Uh, uh-huh. He has been in four episodes, but this is not a wrap on him because he is, in fact, in the... He's in the first episode. No, he's in the pilot. Oh, okay. So, so we're not going to wrap until the end. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. When we do that episode, we'll make it all about him. <laughs> um, however, he was in Gear Jammers as Johnny LaSalvo, who I think... Okay. Was he the union guy that got killed? That I sounds he might right. have been. Yeah, it's been a while. Associating the face with that name, I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's a union guy in Gear yeah, Jammers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he, he was also in So Help Me God, but I think wow. as the character Warden Futrell, so I assume he was probably just in one of the scenes where Jim was in the court, probably. Yeah, uh, or like when, because they, they kept Jim in contempt with mm-hmm. that one, was that, yeah, so it might have been the Warden. involved in one of the, yeah jim going in or out of jail this brings up an interesting question maybe we should ask our audience about this if you were to guest star in like three episodes three or four episodes of the rockford files what are the three or four episodes you'd want to because this guy hits some good ones yeah yeah like he he hit some good ones and this is probably his biggest role i mean maybe the yeah. low johnny lasand i mean we haven't seen that pilot yet maybe the one in gear jammers is also pretty big it's pivotal i guess like it's important to the story it is yeah jim's line here is that he's 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 interested in buying the gas station but he's also interested in cross promotion um he's a he's a firm believer in classic tub thumping publicity (laughs) the high profile company gets the higher profits and chalco's kind of like i'm not quite sure what you're trying to propose here but i'm but i'm listening because you said it could make me money mm-hmm. so it's like i'm proposing a publicity partnership we go in together to sponsor something like uh motocross uh mm-hmm. and we put up a prize you do a year's 
free service. And it kind of gives him the stink eye. Parts not included. And he gives a big <laughs> smile. Yeah. Okay. He's like, and I have, and I do a, a year's uh, oil and, you know, oil yes. and, and gas. And then he then backs off before they can really talk further with like, oh, I'm I'm sorry. I know you and Reedy were good friends. Mm-hmm. And Chuck was like, yeah, they go way back. He deserved better than getting blown away by some punk kid. Jim's like, well, I have some other things I need to attend to, but I'll get back, you know, I'll, I'll come back to you with the details once I've decided that I'm going to buy the place. But as he's leaving, he does. So two things happen. He drops Lenny's name mm-hmm. and Chaco again doesn't recognize it. And then the mechanic uh, yes. Pete, right? Is the character. Yeah. The mechanic Pete, who has a hell of a mop of hair. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought it was a wig. It does. It looks like a wig. And he sees Jim as Jim leaves. And then he turns to Chalco and goes, what are you doing talking to that guy? <laughs> and Chalco explains, oh, he's interested. He's going to buy the gas station, blah, blah, blah. Pete grabs yellow pages, ruffles through them, and then slams it down. His name's Rockford. <laughs> yes. Does that mean anything to you? Better get on the phone fast. Um, mm-hmm. I have a screenshot to send you. Oh, I need to clean up my screenshots so that I stop scrolling through all the ones I already sent you from previous episodes. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Yes. Rockford Agency, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We got his uh, state license. State license number. Is he holding a cigarette in that picture? I think he might be. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a... Oh, the 70s. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he says, uh, you better get on the phone fast. The one who makes the messes or the one who cleans it up. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> Chalco dials and says, red eye leader. This is red eye one. Uncle Judah just picked up the Christmas tree. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Couple things. Now, um, again, probably Juanita uh, to blame here. Uh, some very beautiful things. No, I, I really love Chaco's line in retrospect. Blown up by some pick punk kid mm-hmm. well it's always some punk kid so this first of all is setting the tone for like what we need to understand about Chaco and his uh alignment right. with the group that he's hanging out with like he, he's got a political th- this is him showing his politics right mm-hmm. but also as we know from the preview montage we're gonna get at least one explosion mm-hmm. maybe plural explosions mm-hmm. this whole bit not to not to give too much away like this is him saying you know it's always blown up by other people mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see who does the blowing <laughs> up we'll just see mm-hmm. we'll just see who's responsible for this it's it's not like there's a big reveal that we need to preserve or no. something but it's yeah. more like part of the fun of the episode is being like so what is what the hell is this people are these people's deal anyway yeah so i think preserving a little bit of that is uh is kind of part of what we're talking around here. This guy being right on top of the idea that Rockford is Rockford. Mm-hmm. First, when I saw it, was like, is Rockford famous? Like, what's happening that this guy recognized Rockford right away? Yeah. But uh, as we as we go along, we're going to yeah, find there's out. There's a reason why he would They know, know who Rockford is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think importantly, by name, but you yeah. know, this guy recognized him by sight. Or remembered the name knew it was a PI and then just went to look up to see if it was in fact him. Yeah, sure. I don't know. There's just something about this scene that's great because it just tosses up so much weirdness, mm-hmm. especially with the phone call at the end. Right. Where right. you you know you're like, oh, I know what we're in for now. <laughs> the pacing is really good. And as we go through in the next scene, Jim's kind of at the end of his uh, 
he's at the end of his leads. Like this is yeah, pretty yeah, much all he had to go on. He's followed his theory to the to to the right, limit. To, to, yeah. to a dead end. And we're watching, we're like, where is he's followed his theory to a dead end? What's gonna happen next? But like the the timing of like, oh, they know who Rockford is. It's a big deal for some reason. There's someone called Red Eye Leader, question mark. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> that's just in the right place for us to be like, all right, what's gonna happen next? Yeah. <laughs> the, the momentum really picks up in a nice way. So Jim is at Rockies. He's saying that no one's reacted to Lenny's name. Uh, he's starting to think there might not be a connection. <laughs> and, and, Rocky, <laughs> and Rocky's like, why do you think there's a connection? I told you there's, you know, like he wouldn't do something like that or, mm-hmm. you know, some, some in that line. But Jim says, but the more he looks, the deeper he gets. So, so it turns out that the, that the Korean, the outfit in Korea that Reedy was in is the same one that Jim was in. Yes. And I'm like, huh? Because I don't know how army regiment stuff works. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, Rocky clears this up by saying, Well, there's 3,000 men in the battalion. That's close enough for deal. Just hope he doesn't find out. Yes, <laughs> uh, Rocky for a lift home. He has no leads and nothing to go on. Well, they can't put you in jail for something you didn't do. Isn't that what you said just before I spent those fun-filled years in Quentin? Uh, classic. We cut to the trailer. It's night. And a red van... What? I remember a red van. Did I see that in the preview montage? We sure did. <laughs> As I say in my notes, we see the white bucket hat driving. <laughs> it's very nice of the show to give us a nice big white piece of clothing to identify yeah. this person through all these night scenes. We see that Jim's asleep inside. There's some sneaking around music as we see this guy crawl up on the roof. And then he tosses a grenade through the top window <laughs> right over Jim's bed. There's a screen there, so it lands on the screen. This wakes up Jim. He sees it, and he jumps out of his trailer right before it explodes. And we see the burning trailer as the van drives away. Now, I, I cannot describe the music here, but I encourage anyone who goes from our show to watching the episode to just take a moment and appreciate the music there. That's <laughs> okay. all I'm going to say. We go to the morning where there's a crowd outside, of course, <laughs> cops poking around and inside Becker is telling Jim that he should consider himself lucky. Jim, if I wanted a skylight, I would have put one in. Jim's like bathrobe is all has like burn marks burn in it marks. and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's so good. <laughs> it's, it's rough. We have good Becker Jim banter where, mm-hmm. you know, we get around to, you know, you had a lousy night. You feel better mm-hmm. or something like that. And Jim <laughs> yeah. says, no, we have a Bruce Tuttle appearance. Oh, we have not talked about this guy in quite a while. I feel like he was much more in the early in the early episodes, the early seasons. But he's the guy with the mustache that was like yes. a bit character in all these like season two and season three episodes. Yeah, he's this bomb squad officer <laughs> with a mustache. Mm-hmm. And I was just I saw him. I was like, is that Bruce? It's Bruce. <laughs> if you were here for for some of our earlier episodes, I think he was in like every one, and I would I'd always get very excited because he's just such a face. He does not have a picture on IMDb. It's not a wrap on Bruce yet. It's not a wrap on Bruce yet. We still have New Life Old Dragons. Yeah, because he was in Four Pound Brick. I vaguely remember that. Pastoria Prime Pick. That sounds right. Mm-hmm. In Hazard. He was in Just Another Polish Wedding, which for some reason that's the one I'm like, I know he was in Just Another Polish yes. Wedding. I think maybe he was like taking invitations at the wedding or something. He 
could like be, a, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. No, I'm right. Yeah, seasons one through four. So that's why we <laughs> oh, had a couple episodes of 10 Speed and Brown Shoe. Oh, mm. I've seen that. Mm-hmm. So that you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's fine. Anyway, um, rest in power to a real one. Mm-hmm. Uh Anyway, this might be the most lines of any of his roles that I've seen him in, at least, <laughs> where he explains that. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> just a guess, but uh, I'd say surplus from Korea. Korea? There's only one difference between the grenades that they used in Korean War and those that they used in NAM. The fuse length was shortened from seven seconds to four. You couldn't have got out of here in four seconds. It was a good dig on Jim uh, because that's what <laughs> everyone does this episode. <laughs> no matter what. This man was almost bombed to death and, <laughs> and there's literally no sympathy from anybody in this room. <laughs> All right. So Jim tells Becker he was sniffing around Reedy's and he didn't think he turned anything up, but he must have made someone nervous. Mm-hmm. And that's when Viola appears coming through <laughs> the back part, like coming through the burned part of yeah. the trailer, which is kind of it's like okay i hope you don't expect me to clean this up <laughs> and jim says he didn't expect her at all after the last conversation and she says i don't walk off a job without giving notice i'm giving notice <laughs> <laughs> jim fine phone rings it's for becker there's banter with jim and viola uh where she's like maybe i'll vacuum i don't know and she very pointedly take like saves the picture the frame picture of rocky that's been on jim's desk i think in the first scene she'd moved it like off of his desk onto a shelf she picks it up off the floor and moves it onto the shelf but gives it like a nice look like oh rocky (laughs) i don't know it's it's good business there's a reading of this episode in which rocky and viola have Mm. a thing for each other Mm. now i'm not saying that that is textual I'm not saying that it's subtextual, uh-huh. but you could read that. There's a bit it. of a read. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Becker is getting the report back about the... So Jim got the license plate number from the van. And so yeah. Becker ran it, and it belongs to someone named Lee Ronstadt. Uh, Viola says she doesn't know that name, and she would know if it was Lenny's friend. She knows all of Lenny's friends. Mm-hmm. Jim is going to hitch along with Dennis to check it out. Jim tries to tell him to stay out of it, and he wants to see who throws, what kind of guy throws a grenade down a ventilating shaft. Yeah, fair. Yes, there's a tiny clue that that I think Viola lets out because she was running a little late because the van didn't mm. show up. I noted that in passing, didn't put it in my notes because I was like, I don't know if this actually is going to matter. Yeah. It turns out that it does matter, but I would not have realized that it mattered because I yeah. completely forgot why it would have mattered. I, I I only did it because I was like, there's there's a lot of band going around in this episode. Oh. But you're <laughs> so, right. That is a little bit of a, it's not really a clue. It's a little bit of a, uh, the little bit of consistency that makes this whole yeah. thing like we wouldn't have missed it if it wasn't there, but yeah. that is there. I'm appreciating it now. Again, not trying to play too coy. It's just that it's a fun discovery. Yeah. We are going to take a little break in the middle of our episode here so that we can stretch, maybe get a beverage or a snack and talk about the other places that you can find us on the internet. Epi, if our listeners want more Epi, where can they go to get maximum Epi? You can find, uh, me at my website dig a thousand holes.com that's dig one zero 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 holes.com or you can get my sword and sorcery fiction and games at worldswithoutmaster.com that's worlds plural master singular if you want to engage with me on the social medias the best place to go right now is mastodon at epidia at dice.camp 
Nathan, if they want to get Maximum Nathan, where do they have to go for that? I should have gone Maximum Nathan. Maximum Nathan can be found at my website, ndpdesign.com. That's the hub for all my stuff on the internet, including all my uh, role-playing games, zines, and other podcasts. Uh, So if you're interested in pro wrestling detectives Mm -hmm. or zines about pro wrestling... Among other things, um, those are all at my website. It also has links to contact me in other ways. Currently, I'm still um, posting on Instagram at ndpaoletta. That's where I'm posting pictures of my dog. Uh, you can also find me at cohost, cohost.org slash ndp. That is a fun, small-scale social media site that I'm enjoying quite a lot. And now we return to the continuing adventures of Jimbo Rockfish. So they go to visit Lee Ronstadt. Uh, Becker tells Jim to stay in the car. Uh, Jim, of course, won't do it, but he says that uh, he'll keep his mouth shut. Before we get to that, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but there is what I think is a very good moment between Jim and Viola Mm. where uh, Jim's like, I'm going to get dressed now, Viola, if you don't mind. And she's (laughs) just like, big deal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You think a little, like, I'm going to look, buddy. And his, the, his response to that is just golden. So I'm just, I just wanted to point that out. That mm. was that was fun stuff. But yeah, so uh, they're going to go in and talk. Becker tells Jim to keep his mouth shut, and Jim goes, "Would I interfere?" <laughs> um, they have Billings cover them from the front and send another officer around to the back of this house. Mm-hmm. There's this very dramatic zoom in shot of a lawn sprinkler mm-hmm. on the front lawn and it gets them both wet as they go up to the door and i'm starting to kind of remember the rest of this episode so i was like why is there such a dramatic shot of the sprinkler is it like spraying nitroglycerin like yeah yeah because the, <laughs> is it spraying gasoline like why why are we paying... making deal about trying to get around it yeah. and yeah my notes was oh no the sprinkler but it's important. So it's important. It's, yeah. it's 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 business that is important, but not in that way. Yeah. Um, uh, a woman answers the door. Jim asks for Lee Ronstadt, and she has them come in because she's been on hold on the phone for twenty minutes. So she's calling into this radio show, and it's uh, a, the topic is the water shortage. So it's like, <laughs> okay, I see. I see yeah. what's up. Yeah. Uh, finally, she gets she gets through. So in the background, Jim and Becker are just mugging while <laughs> in the foreground she's on the phone. Like they're rolling their eyes or giving each other looks like it's, it's very good. But yeah, uh, she answers and says, this is Lee Ronstadt. So dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. you're not a first time caller Lee. You know, you're not supposed to give your last name. And she kind of winces, <laughs> which is again, a little funny. Cause it's like, I don't know. It's bad opsec, right? Like, yeah, yeah. she'd know better. <laughs> but uh, my note is she's a, she's a drought denialist. Um, there's no water shortage. We have plenty of water. We're selling it all to the Arabs. <laughs> uh, so we get, we see that she is uh, deep today. She, she would be full QAnon, right? Yeah. Today. Yeah. Like that's exactly. That's this person. I can remember a time here in California when we grew tomatoes, the size of cantaloupes and cantaloupes, the size that's of, that's a pretty flaky theory. Who'd sell our water? Well, it's them bleeding hearts back in Washington. That's who. Trying to keep the whole world happy and the hell with the American people. Well, I got my sprinklers going, and I'm going to keep them going, and the hell with the Arabs. It's a little less funny, I think, to me, just because it's like, no, these people are like, there's a lot of these people now. 
Yeah, yeah. This is an, <laughs> this is a uh, cautionary tale that we did not follow. Exactly. That's what. Yeah. And of course, she she doesn't turn down her radio, so there's feedback. So she has to turn down her ra- like all yeah, these little yeah. like notes about uh you know kind of her nature i legit had a moment when uh, like i realized that she was on the phone waiting to get on the air with the the radio (laughs) where i was like i was like oh but you have to turn the radio down otherwise (laughs) you get and then it happened and i don't know i don't know if uh i don't know if kinsey stays experienced that (laughs) i mean i didn't call into radio shows that often but i knew i knew not because you heard people do it and have them tell me to turn your radio down yeah (laughs) Oh, the other thing that is definitely, I feel more of this time is that the host is arguing with her. Like the host is pushing back is like, I don't think that makes much sense, Lee. You know, why would anyone want to do that? Well, today the radio show would be like the right wing talk radio thing. And it would be someone who's like pumping up this person and like agreeing with them and using it to launch into other tirades. And I'm like, oh. This is a different kind of show. <laughs> uh, there is there is a straight line from that show to that show. Yeah. Which is probably part of the problem. But yeah, the, like it used to be like let's let these uh let's let these people spout off about whatever they want. We can even make fun of them. Right, right. It's good. It's good radio. And and then that that slope is literally slippery. Yeah. And you do end up uh <laughs> you do end up with Fox News. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, back to the show. Um, as she talks, we see Jim and Becker kind of just like looking around. There's like a military. I don't know what the like sim- symbology of like part of it is, but mm-hmm. I, I recognize the folded flag. That's like a military yes. funeral, yeah. right? Funeral the, flag. Yeah. yeah. You get the like triangle, like folded flag. And she has a big stack of Rifle World magazines. Um, <laughs> so we're like, okay, we're starting to put together the picture of this person. Uh, she gets off the phone. She confirms who she is. Becker asks her if she has a red panel truck. And she says she has a white panel truck, not a red one. Mm-hmm. And it's in the garage. But it's not there now because she loaned it to her sister-in-law so that she could move this morning. So she, they can't go see it. Um, <laughs> so basically every little question she has a bit of a answer for that covers Ford. Yeah. As I think right now the show is giving us a little bit of like, is she, isn't she? Like, because sometimes it's like there's a car, but it got stolen or it's the person who works for them used it or like whatever. Uh, we get the mention of her son, Henry, but he only took it once after she had to cost, it cost her $300 to, to put the insides right. And she's not, never let him have the keys again. Kids have no respect for property. Becker says, how old's the boy? 32. <laughs> now this is, uh, she's probably lying about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But also, she's probably using the truth all the time. Like, right. as we as we meet him, we'll be like, "Yeah, no, that happened." Mm-hmm. Like that that that's a thing. Yeah. As they leave, Becker's yes. like, "Okay, thank you." And Jim's like, "Ask her." And he's like, "We're going, <laughs> Jim." He's like, "Do you have any grenades?" <laughs> <laughs> and Becker like hustles them out. What are you doing? Asking he says like asking a lady if she has grenades. She probably has them on under her hairnet. <laughs> this lady has grenades. Like oh, there's yeah. nothing about this that doesn't read that she has grenades. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate the Chris Jericho reference. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him. <laughs> <laughs> so outside, they're arguing. Fundamentally, Becker thinks that she's just a crank, and this isn't going to go anywhere. He still doesn't think there's a, a necessary connection between the murder that Jim is being brought up on and this attempt on his life. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim, of course, thinks there is a connection. Uh, they're arguing. 
uh, Becker basically is like, sure, she's weird. She's a crank, but admit it, Jim, you're wrong. She has nothing to do with the murder. Jim makes a vibe-based argument. <laughs> Her other car is in the driveway, um, and it has like a like an American like a like a patriotic bumper sticker, yeah. like some kind of like you know pro America thing. And Jim's even like, it's not even that's the same bumper sticker, but he's like, look, Reedy's truck had a similar bumper sticker. They kind of <laughs> seem like they're the same kind of people. <laughs> they have to be connected. Mm-hmm. Jim's just like the vibes are rancid. I know there's something going on and we're all like, yes, Jim, you're right. The vibes are bad. But but Becker is like, I need actual evidence and there is yeah. no actual evidence. But yeah, Jim thinks these people are all connected in some way and if Becker doesn't figure it out, Jim will. So Jim puts up Rocky to call Chalco with a script. <laughs> Love. Uh, yeah, Rocky's like, oh, you're good at this sort of stuff, Sonny, mm-hmm. but I'm, don't, don't make me do this. But Rocky's good at this. Rocky does a great job. <laughs> uh, Jim doesn't want to call him because he doesn't want Chalco to recognize his voice. But he wants to establish that Chalco knows Lee Ronstadt. That's mm-hmm. the goal here. So a script for Rocky is that he's from the newspaper right on target. And then he says, like, you see, it's kind of a play on words. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a dual meaning. He was referred to Chalco by Lee Ronstadt as a potential, like, you might be interested in the magazine, you know, Mm-hmm. Can I put you on the subscriber list kind of thing? He met her and her son, Henry, at the Stars and Stripes Forever meeting a couple weeks ago. <laughs> you know, they're good people, good Americans. Um, and Chalco says, well, if Lee's interested, I guess I am too. And Jim gives like a like a yes, like fist pump. <laughs> we also see Rocky get into character a little bit as he does this. And we see Jim smile at Rocky as he <laughs> does it. It's It's great. It's a very... It, it's well filmed uh, in this moment. I was just going to ask, like, what what proportion of the script do you think Rocky improvised, right? Because mm-hmm. there's this moment at the very end after Rocky's gotten what he's wanted, what he wants. Or, I'm sorry, Jim's got what he wants. The conversation is over. The guy's about to hang up, and Rocky is like, "You make sure you tell me what you feel about this magazine mm-hmm. after you." Yeah. <laughs> like, like I want to hear from you mm-hmm. how you how you think we're doing. Like in a very like very Rocky kind of uh, thing. And I'm like, I think Rocky improv that. Yeah, I think so too. I think he, he got into he got into his character. We do end the scene with a shot of Chalco looking thoughtful as he hangs up the phone. Mm-hmm. A little more, a little more suspicious now after he's been burnt by the PI. Yeah, we go to night in the Becker residence where the phone starts ringing and wakes wakes Becker up. He rolls out of bed. He answers. It's Jim. Dennis, where have you been? <laughs> Dennis says, "Yeah, I've been trying to call you. Where have you been?" Uh, he says, "A deal found out about Jim and Reedy." being in the same um, regiment in Korea. Uh, and we have a reprise of the exchange from earlier, which is very, very funny. Dennis, there are 3,000 men in a battalion. Uh, that's close enough for deal. <laughs> but Jim wants Becker to talk to Chalco. I know he knows Lee Ronstadt. Uh, Becker's like, come on. And Jim leans on their friendship. You want me to be indicted? Becker agrees to go by first thing in the morning, even though he doesn't buy it. Not these people. He's like, I re- we ran all their names. They're all clean in the computer. They don't even live in the same area. Nothing connects these people. Jim says he'll meet them, meet him there in the morning. We cut to a blue van pulling up to a shack in the middle of a field. <laughs> and not just, <laughs> not a field, like in the middle of just like a pile of dirt. Like it's just... A big dirt lot with nothing on it. This is our third van. 
Yeah, because it's the white van, the red van. The red van. This is a blue van. Blue van. Yeah. yeah. Red, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we see the mechanic Pete uh, now in a like checker pattern shirt <laughs> that is uh, quite memorable. Yes. I'm trying to think. How would you describe it? It's like, it's not... <sighs> When I say checker pattern, I mean it's made of squares, and each square is a different plaid. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not really a checker pattern. Motley. Yes, he looks like a jester with his mop of hair, Mm -hmm. which funnily, which is is a funny juxtaposition because he's probably the most serious person in the in the crew here. Um, So so Pete is confronting Lee, and who we soon learn to be Henry. Uh, who is a bit of a dope, I would say, Yeah, is uh, how he's presented here. He's the one who is uh, playing a game of fiasco, right? Like, this, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what's yes. happening here. Absolutely. Chalco wants Henry to get out of town. And Lee says, Chalco does what I say. I'm the director of ordinance. <laughs> so we learn a lot. We basically learn what happened in this conversation um, through this uh, argument and exposition. It's Henry's fault they're in this mess. What, I should have let Reedy go to the feds? Pete says, well, after a couple of beers, he always talked like that. It didn't mean nothing. <laughs> Lee says that's all over now. Pete comes back that it's not. He explains about the phone call. And that was probably someone who works for Rockford. So now Rockford yeah. can connect Chalco to <laughs> you and me to both of you, etc. And then turns back to Henry. Why do you use a gun that belongs to a PI? I didn't know that. That's what you're <laughs> supposed to know. So Reedy was also in this group. This guy, Henry, thought that he was going to go to the feds about whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is still a question, for me at least, somehow got Jim's gun, didn't yes. know who it belonged to necessarily, used that to kill Reedy, and now they're all in this mess. Uh, Henry says he'll take care of Rockford. With another hand grenade? Well, what's the matter with a hand grenade? The cops can't trace it. It didn't do the job. That's what's wrong. You missed. You missed with the hand grenade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I won't miss next time. That's when we see an. So it's not really a van. It's a pickup with a with like a cab cover mm-hmm. or a, a, a bed cover, I should say. Um, it looks kind of like a van, but it is, uh, in fact, a different kind of vehicle that's slowly weaving through this unfinished. There's no road. It's just like dirt. So this truck is just bouncing through these ruts and everything. Chalco is arriving in this overloaded pickup. Lee says, you boys will need to help him unload. He has my whole garage in there. We cut to a shot of boxes labeled (laughs) high explosive, just swaying back and forth. My notes, uh, I think even before we see what's in the truck, was that that this guy's not long for this world. (laughs) Have you you ever seen the movie Sorcerer? Um, No, I haven't. No. All right, so... I know Sorcerer. somehow this, we've we've had this entire yeah. relationship, and I've never watched Sorcerer. <laughs> Sorcerer is not a sword and sorcery movie. It is a uh, I don't know what the genre of movie is. It just follows like it's been a while since I've seen it, but like a handful of people who who have to disappear from the world. They they they're they're criminals. They've done bad things, uh, and they can't stay where they are because the cops will get them or you know whatever. They don't know each other. But they all end up at this uh, mining operation in South America uh, or oil oil well in South America. Uh, and at some point, this oil well catches on fire. And the movie is about how they have to put that fire out. And the only way they can do it is by blowing it up. 
mm-hmm. deprive it of its oxygen and all that. So they have to get some dynamite that's out in the jungle, that's just been sweating in the jungle. And most of the movie is about this truck drive back <laughs> with the dynamite in the truck going over like these roads that aren't roads. They're just mm-hmm. dirt paths. It is one of the most tense, <laughs> gut-wrenching films. Anyways, highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. We see all of that <laughs> slim down to the mm-hmm. next few minutes. Indeed. As we go out, we have kind of a long shot where they're watching the truck, and we zoom back in to see its front wheel hit a rock, and then we cut <laughs> back out to boom! Huge truck explosion. <laughs> Pretty early in the season to be wasting the whole season's budget on explosions, but why not? Why Let's not? do it. Why not? Next morning, Jim is staking out Chalco's. There's a close mm-hmm. sign on the door. We see someone come up like on a motorcycle like to come for service or something. Yeah. He's like, ah, I can't believe the place is closed. And he leaves. And then some cops arrive. It's not Becker. Um, it's a couple of other planes closed guys with Pete who's opening up saying, uh, I don't know. He's usually in at earlier in the morning. Um, and then he's like fumbling with all these locks. And they're like, how many locks you got on this thing? Just a call back to earlier when Chalco is like, you can't trust anyone. I yeah. have burglar alarms on my burglar alarms. There's a great I couldn't get a good screenshot of it because someone's head was always in the way. But in this scene, you can see that. Chalcos, because it's like Chalcos cycles or whatever. Yeah. The word Chalcos is in, you know, it's in like like glittery vinyl letters on the glass door. Yeah. But the apostrophe, instead of where the apostrophe goes, is on the bottom where you would put a comma. Oh. <laughs> but it but it is an apostrophe. Okay. And <laughs> And I was just like, huh, what an interesting choice. I mean, I'm, I guess, I mean, the character has the name, so they must have, I'm sure it was an existing cycle shop. Yeah. But like, they had to put that name on the door. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> it doesn't look bad. No. It's just such an idiosyncratic little thing that choice. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> huh. I did not note that. That's interesting. Yeah. The motorcycle shop was, it's apparently still there. Burbank Kawasaki and Burbank. <gasps> okay. Oh, I'm, you got an answer. I'm sending you this. Well, I don't know if I have an answer, but this has a screenshot from the earlier part of the episode where you can see the door. I don't know why this is so important to me. But no, we got to have we got to have uh, our priorities here. Let's see here. Okay, so it's still an auto sales place. At the time, it was a Kawasaki motorcycle um, shop, as in Burbank, and they covered that all up because it's supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, why? But there, see? Yeah. It does have the bicentennial colors. In a different piece of promo. The only thing I can think of is that uh, the, the uh, like, it's a stencil uh-huh. that you had to assemble. And whoever, like, put them all together just accidentally put just the like comma instead put, of the apostrophe. Yeah. Or, like, flipped it upside yeah. down. But, but the thing is, the apostrophe isn't upside down. Well, I guess it is. Because if you do an apostrophe, the round part yeah. would be... And they might have stenciled it on the inside. So they, they were doing it in reverse anyways. Oh, maybe. And so they did, like, you know, because the human brain isn't yeah really good at, at you know, you can mess that up. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, whatever, it reads. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It It's one of those things where I'm like, it. I kind of like it that it's, yeah. like, it's wrong and I kind of like it. Anyway, this is neither here nor there. Yeah, there's a, it's a Toys R Us. There's a post about this motorcycle shop on Rockford Files filming locations at blogspot.com. So I will mm-hmm. link to that in the show notes. You can see the screenshot there. Um, there's also some commentary about politics in the comments, which maybe we'll touch on. 
Oh, there was a car dealership in where I lived. I can't remember the name of it, but I remember uh, there was something like they used a different spelling of the owner's name, like an older spelling of the owner's name because it looked wrong. Mm-hmm. And and that like would stick in your head more. Hmm. So if they were like Jones, but it was like with a G instead of a J. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so you'd be like Gons hmm. and they pronounce it Jones. Oh, okay. And then it just sticks. Then you, yeah. I, I say that, but now I can't remember the name of that car company. <laughs> so I don't know if it actually works, but that was the theory. Be that as it may. Mm-hmm. The point of the scene is that Jim, uh, you know, sees that these cops are here, but Dennis isn't. He goes to the payphone, calls Dennis. Dennis has been trying to get in touch with him. Chaco had an accident. He blew himself mm-hmm. up. He was driving around Canoga Park with a truck full of dynamite. Yeah. Jim wants to know exactly where it was. There was a bunch of undeveloped property. Every step of the way, Dennis is like, there's nothing here. There's nothing here. This is yeah. This is the access road it's near. But there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently his wife said they had property in Arrowhead and he was going to take the dynamite there to blow up tree stumps. But that's in the opposite direction of of mm-hmm. Canoga Park. And Jim's like, well, that's, that's not far from Lee Ronstadt. <laughs> Dennis says he'll look into connections if there's any evidence. And Jim says, thanks. And we cut to the firebird pulling up behind the remains of the burned out truck. <laughs> this is when we pan over to see Henry and a new uh, member of our, <laughs> <laughs> of our squad here hanging out in the car, keeping an eye on the on what's going on. We'll talk about him in a minute. You gotta mention the synth. There's some real good synth going here. And there's a really great shot. I mean, this is just Jim coming, seeing the burned out yeah. truck. Go, there's like a little shack that's all like broken down and stuff. Jim goes over to look at that, and then he leaves. And mm-hmm. these guys follow him. So that's the, the, the sum of the, the content here. But... There's the good synth, and also this is a great visual palette. Jim's wearing brown, mm-hmm. and he's on a background that's all that's in various shades of brown and brown green, <laughs> including the Firebird, which is gold. And yes. it's just similar to how in Real Easy Red Dog, there was that amazing shot where they're all in blue on like a blue background. This is a wonderful tonal study of brown that I just sent you. Yes. That, that's a good one. So many browns. So many browns. <laughs> the other thing is, in the car, Henry is arguing with this guy whose name we never get, but is credited as Clamshell. Mm-hmm. So, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> arguing with Clamshell, Henry's asking what they should do, and then says, Red Eye Leader says that, and Clamshell goes, you always call her that. She's your mother. Yes. <laughs> She's director of ordinance. Um, but Henry doesn't want to lose him, so they follow Jim. Clamshell. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is a familiar face. My notes are Brian James. <laughs> <laughs> Brian James. So yeah, where 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 did you recognize well, okay. him from in particular? I'll tell you that at some point I almost ran a game jam that was you take a tagline from a movie that Brian James is in. <laughs> he was in 177, had 177 different roles according to IMDb. I didn't pull that off the top of my head, obviously. He was in one episode of Incredible Hulk. Yeah, I, I think most recognizable to me, I know which one's most recognizable to you. <laughs> the one most recognizable to me is he's the uh, replicant that fails the Voight-Kampf test 
exist in mm-hmm. uh, the beginning of Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. And, and that is typical of the roles that he plays. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's he's a really good, like, not not your lead bad guy, but like a good henchman, a good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, of course, recognize him from The Fifth Element, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. he is a general who uh, recruits Bruce Willis for a mission that is already what Bruce Willis wants to do. Um, <laughs> and is both Gerald Monroe is the character. Uh, he He's silly, but in a very realistic way, which is kind of a counterpoint to the other, to the unrealistic silliness and also the weird, the, the fifth element is one of my favorite movies of all time. It has the yeah. weirdest tone <laughs> and he fits yeah. right into that. Anyway, I'm so glad that I clicked on him just to see, cause he's barely in this episode and uh, he's, he's, he's an all time. Great is all I have to say. He is a, that guy. Like, he's you, a that you, guy. Yeah. You'll see the, you know, when you watch the episode, you're like, Oh him, who's that guy? <laughs> anyway, they follow. So here as clamshell, he and Henry follow uh, Jim. Jim goes to the hall of records. He's looking at the yes! property. Owners. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love a hall of records. I uh, love a hall of records. I like how specifically they're like, well, if you want the history, you're going to have to go to the, you know, get the tight and go to the department of titles or whatever. He's like, no, I just want the current owners. So this property has been subdivided and sold in one and one and a half acre parcels. And I guess he can't just give them the list. So Jim has this guy to start reading all of the names. (laughs) I mean, we've seen this in other Rockford files episodes where he can't copy things down at hall of records. Like, yeah. Like, so he like coughs and tears the page out to cover it or something (laughs) like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in the car, so Clamshell is by far the most together of any of these guys. Yeah. He's like, he's at the Hall of Records because he's trying to find out who owns that land. <laughs> and he's like, well, uh, we're covered there because Lee's husband bought it. And uh, Clamshell oh, yeah. says, which one? She's had five. <laughs> it's like, uh, Virgil. And he rolls his eyes as we cut inside for the guy reading Ronstadt, Virgil and Lee. <laughs> And Jim just darts away. Yeah, I think the guy even gets like another name. He in gets after another that. one name out, and he's like, "Oh, is that the one you wanted?" And just like, "Thanks, like, where's yep. your phone?" <laughs> Jim calls Dennis. Um, Dennis is not there. Jim leaves. Henry wants to stop him. The other guy says, "You have no right to make this decision. It's up to the security council." Yes. <laughs> and Henry says, "No, if we do that, he gets away, and they follow." So now yeah. we have a dramatic following chase. You gotta scene. love Jim checking his mirrors. Like I just every time Jim's like, "Huh, I've seen that car." Yeah. <laughs> You're like, "All right, good." Yeah. This is mostly done in in like long like uh, long shots and and overheads where Jim kind of navigates out of the city streets and gets out on the highway, and then we see the chase speed up as these two yeah. these two goons are uh, chasing him um, on the highway. There are a couple of fun little bits with oncoming cars. There's a great mm-hmm. shot where they go into a tunnel and they come out side by side, like yeah. kind of shooting to yeah. either side of the camera as they approach, which is really fun. Um, there was a weird gag with a guy on the side of the road, and I can't remember what yeah. it was. I was expecting it to come around again, mm-hmm. but it didn't. Um, they Henry tries to, to force him off and at one mm-hmm. point, and... He like kind of goes up on the on the shoulder, but then manages to come back and outpace him again. So it's some good catch up, fall back <laughs> kind of action. Once we get on the highway, there's no inside shots. We don't see any faces or anything. It's all just yeah. exterior. I think the story is kind of that like Jim is like is that Jim is looking for an opportunity. 
And there's a couple yes. times where the the goons kind of almost get him, but he's he's able to get out. But then that opportunity comes when they rush past a speed trap. And so now yeah. there's a cop following them. Uh, the stakes are higher. They both kind of go off onto the shoulder again, kind of like Jim's letting them push him off. But then he goes up onto high ground and the goon car can't match it and falls down into a ditch. And that's the end yeah. of the chase. Not over an edge and exploding, no. which is important because that you almost would expect that <laughs> yeah. this episode. But yeah. And we end the scene where Jim triumphantly is standing over the car and goes, <laughs> Mom should never have let you have the car. <laughs> uh, got him. Cut to Deal overseeing a sweep of Canoga Park. Yeah. As the cops are picking up the ordinance and the crew is all there in handcuffs. Deal is facing off with Lee. Um, Asking her, like, where stuff is, how much there is, etc. There's some business where she, where he then starts asking Henry. Henry starts answering. And he's like, you only have to tell him your name. Nothing else. Just your name. That's international law. He's like, <laughs> where do you think you are? <laughs> Becker says that Henry already told them about their paramilitary operation. And stockpiling ordinance is against the law. We got a right to bear arms. It's in the Constitution. Well, it's not spelled out in the Constitution. That doesn't mean hand grenades and bazookas and automatic weapons. <laughs> I will say, I, I, I love the, you, you, you only have to give me your name. It's international law. Mm. We're allowed to have guns that's in the Constitution. Yep. Like, yep. whose law are you under it's here? It's some real like, sovereign what, citizen stuff where yeah, you, know, yeah. you really get to pick and choose. She says, like, why are you, like, you're not even involved. And Jim says, I'm involved. He tried to frame me for murder. And Henry says, <laughs> well, not on purpose. It just kind of turned out that way. They're going to blow up all the dynamite and they're taking the weaponry for, ev- for evidence. And we end the scene with uh, Lee very nobly lifting her chin and going, we were prepared. And Jim, who were you expecting? And then Becker gets to give a little hand signal to uh, expl- yeah. you know, to, to explode the dynamite. And we freeze frame on the big explosion in the middle of Canoga Park. Yeah, because they didn't get enough of that. I in. know. One more explosion. One more. We cut to the trailer where Rocky echoes, who were they expecting? <laughs> yes. Uh, Jim saying, the enemy. Who knows? They're all certifiable bananas. Mm-hmm. Viola appears. She has an apology to make. So what happened was she was going to go rinse out the cookie jar and she found the gun and she thought that was strange or whatever. So she mentioned it to the van driver, which I totally missed that Henry was the van driver for this van service. (laughs) I missed it too. (laughs) So that's how he knew about the gun. And then he stole it because it was something that wouldn't be traced to him. And it just happened to be Jim's. And now we all know what happened. But yes, again, that detail where the van didn't come around on the day of the explosion. Mm -hmm. That makes sense because Henry was off not doing his job he was up late blowing up blowing up places yep so uh if uh, you're so inclined i suppose you could say in a way that i had something to do with the fix you got yourself in that's an apology that's it <laughs> rocky's like just let it be the cops dropped all the charges. Everything's fine. And Jim's like, it's not fine. I'm out five grand. <laughs> Viola says she'll clean house until it's paid off. She always pays her debts. And we get like a horrified <laughs> look on Jim's face. Yeah. No, no, you, that's not necessary. No, it's settled. <laughs> but since she apologized to Jim, it's only right that he apologizes to Leonard. And she opens the door <laughs> and she we end our episode of Viola calling Leonard out the door with this horrified look on Jim's face. 
as this isn't what he wanted. This isn't what he wanted at all. The end. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun. Mm-hmm. Bit of a romp. Yeah. I love an episode that leaves Jim down five grand. <laughs> oh, look, he's getting get made up and made and in, in maid service. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That, I guess we'll have to see if his if his uh, trailer looks demonstrably cleaner over the rest of yeah. the, <laughs> the series. I mean, I guess he gets the trailer fixed from insurance, one assumes. Probably. It's not mentioned. Who knows how long um, insurance companies will hold Jib's policy, right, though, right. considering mm-hmm. front doors alone <laughs> would cost them. <laughs> it gets to the point where he doesn't even make those claims, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> But uh, yeah, fun episode. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little off kilter with the whole like Jim is involved just in the most tangential manner. Um, Yeah. And there's also no real like, I mean, I mean, there's a murder, obviously, but Mm -hmm. there's no race against the clock, which is in a lot of these where like something is going to happen unless Jim can solve it. Well, I mean, he is on the hook for that murder. He is on the hook for the murder. So he is trying to clear his own name. But it's kind of like, yeah. but the attitude of the show, I think, transitions yeah, yeah. from focusing on that to focusing on, like, what is their deal? Yeah. <laughs> the the premise of the episode is to just putting him on hook for the murder is not to put pressure on him throughout the episode, but to get him moving in to- towards yes. the investigation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because what is it? There's, like, partway through... He's like, I know. It's, oh, no, it's not that he's no longer on the hook. It's just that he knows it's not Leonard. But he's like, things are weird. Yeah. yeah. Like, I need to figure out what's going on. His investigation has not borne anything that will get him off the hook. But he also yeah. is finding out these weird connections. And so he keeps pursuing them. I think there's a little bit of, of it where, like, if this was a Chapman, if it was Chapman instead of oh. Deal, there would still be this element of, like, but it was still your gun, Rockford. Like, yeah. I can still get you on a technicality or something. <laughs> because it's Deal, it's like, oh, that's what's going on. All right, well, let's claim all the ordinance. <laughs> let's get these this militia yeah. off the streets. You imagine that things are not going to go well for them because the dude committed a murder. <laughs> And they had all this unlawful ordinance and, you know, there's probably a conspiracy charge that could be like, it is going to be pretty serious for these guys. Um, So Jim is probably in the clear. Uh, But yeah, definitely had a fun, fun to watch. It had that aspect where I was like, oh, I kind of remember this. And then it would fall into place. And I'm like, oh, that's what that is. Like, because I didn't really remember exactly. Like, I remembered the, the explosion. Like, there's some kind of ordinance thing. There's an explosion. There's some militia thing. But, like, I didn't really remember how that all fell out. I think it's a very on-point depiction of this paranoid. Yes. You know, this, this kind of, this, this strain of, like, paranoid right-wing thinking that, as we were saying, has achieved new heights in the QAnon era. Um, and I appreciate that it is being framed in this episode as not great. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this keeps some comment sections on the internet, uh, not happy with this particular episode because it has all these liberal talking points, etc. Yeah. which I don't think we need to we all know litigate we're, we're... the second amendment as part of this show. <laughs> Jim and James Gardner fall on this. Yeah. It, he's, uh, Sorry, sorry that your show made by a progressive is progressive. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, um, but yeah, in my memory, it was a fun one, and I will have to say, coming out the other side, yeah, it's a fun one. Yeah, it's a fun one. <laughs> TM, TM, lots of good humorous twists. Uh, lots of, I, you know, I, I love it that everyone in this episode until the very end 
thinks that Jim is somehow responsible for his own troubles, yeah. even though we as the audience are like, it's not, how can he be responsible? Uh, yeah, for he didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the, the thing that drags him into it is just that he owns this gun. That's it. Yeah. But it's just coincidence. Yeah. The driver yeah. of all great tales. <laughs> and I think like you said, the, the character's. This is a really good episode for like every character is a character. Yeah. 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 Like every one of that militia mm-hmm. is different from every other one of that militia. Yeah. And that's, that's fun. It's, you know, it, like you could ask why is, why introduce clamshell? <laughs> right. Cause you could have had uh Pete yeah. do it or whatever, but I have no problem with clamshell yeah. being in it. Obviously like, clam, clamshell almost seems like, like he takes it, he doesn't take it that seriously, but he also is really invest like from his interactions with Henry. Henry's doing everything because he thinks his mom wants him to, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, whether he's right or not, he wants to be the hero. Yeah. While Clamshell seems like like he believes in the cause, but not in the like. He doesn't care about yeah. all the like kayfabe, right? He's like, what, why do I have to deal with these guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He absolutely is like, oh. America is under threat from these mm-hmm. bleeding heart liberals and we need to stockpile munitions for the eventual invasion. But he's like, but like the director of ordinance, like really? Like we're just a bunch of yeah. people. Like we're just, <laughs> we're, we're just a couple of guys, just a couple of yeah. guys with bombs. <laughs> anyway, that's my read on the, uh, mm-hmm. just based on the, the characterization by, um, by Brian James. All right. Well, Fun episode. Glad we finally yeah. got around to it. <laughs> that's that's how it's going to be for all of them yep. from here on out. Glad we got around to it. Finally got around finally to got it. Finally got around to it. Yep. We are uh, close enough to the end of the run where we now mm-hmm. can plot out kind of what we're doing with right. all of the rest <laughs> of the episodes. Yeah. Which is interesting and a little, a little scary. But uh, yeah, they all seem like good episodes. So I'm excited to get to all of them. Yeah. Um, I was... At some point, worried that we were putting off episodes we didn't want to see until mm-hmm. the end. But I think it's we got a good we got a good stretch ahead of yeah. us, so that's fun. Um, all right. Well, with that all said, we will of course be back next time to talk about another episode of the Rockford Files. <laughs>